want to read you two verses and then we'll look at the scripture and I'll tell you a little story at the end that kind of relates to these two verses, hopefully. And uh, First Peter chapter 2, and I know Pastor Rich had some important things to do today, and so we hope as he travels that he is safe and uh, anyway. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Can you hear me okay? Okay. Father, we thank you for this day. And I know many times, Lord, uh, I don't come to drink when I should. But I'm grateful, Lord, that your source that never runs dry. You're the well of just the rich milk of your love and grace and mercy, Father, and truth that uh, always satisfies when we finally give in to that. Thank you, Lord, and we praise you for this night. Show us Jesus. In your precious name, amen. Peter was addressing the five churches in Asia Minor, which we would call modern-day Turkey. It was beyond the Tarsus Mountains. And they were being persecuted locally. Yes, It wasn't through the kingdom yet, the Roman government, but it would be later on. And so he was a person who knew persecution. He knew what it was to suffer for Christ. And I think we can all think about things that are going on today and where we stand and in the future, and hopefully we can kind of connect here what was going on. But anyway, um, he was trying to get them established so that they would be equipped to live through these turbulent times, to live for Christ, to be ready for when he would take them home, whether through death or through his coming. And in the second century, it got so bad that I can't remember the name of this Roman emperor, but um, he was a letter was written to him from a guy named Pliny, and it was he was uh, head of the the region of uh, Bithynia, and he said uh, he was bragging, you know what we've we're doing a good job, we're killing a lot of Christians up here for their faith, and and he says uh, things are going well, and of course the emperor he commended him, but he said. Nevertheless, if they'll recant their faith in Christ, let them go. And I, I thought about that. You know, I think the enemy is, and especially in these times, he's more concerned about getting to recant of their faith to dampen the fire revival than the death of a saint because that ultimately, if it's suffering for Christ, it fans the flames. It's the sparks that light that revival. Sean Foyt. You ever heard of him? Right? They're after him. But you know what? He's that guy going around in all the different revivals in Seattle and Portland and all these places. Man, it's coming on, and they're after that guy. And he's a, he's a hotbed of fire. Been all over the world, but now it's, it's for here. So Peter starts off in 
verse 1, he said, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, he said to the pilgrims, he said pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. And then he says this. This is who they are. We're going to look at three things here, what God has done, what he's doing, and what he will do. He said, the elect, according to the foreknowledge of God, number one, in sanctification of the Spirit, number two, and it's for the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, very simply put, these were the chosen that we had been set apart so that they would be in obedience to the work of the cross. And that was an offense to a world that hated Jesus. You realize that martyrdom, when do you think, let me ask you a question, when do you think, who was the first martyr? Stephen? We'd probably say Stephen, right? How about Abel? I was reading in Luke today, I think it's Luke 8, and I, the reason I say I, I had to be enlightened, I'm, I'm still taking in milk now. I'm bottle, being bottle fed, right? It says in Luke, he, he talked about how that persecution has went on. It says from Cain or Abel to Zechariah. He said from the altar to the temple. Cain slew him because he was mad at God and he took it out on Abel. It was the wrong sacrifice and it was, it was in the process of time. It wasn't the first fruits. It was a wrong heart. And so he says the elect, it means those who have been chosen out of. That's precious. He wanted them to know that. That they, this very time that they would have been, felt like, you know, we're just being run over. We're dogs. And you're God's elect. You're his chosen. According to the foreknowledge of God. And the set apart or the sanctification of the spirit. So that you would be obedient. That you would go forward and adhere to what Christ did on the cross. That's quite a, quite a thing. And here's what he says, what had been done. He says, and uh, like I said, this thing here, the, it, it doesn't end like the verses. They call all run together in this new Bible. The old King James, it was boom, boom, boom. Well, that's not how it worked out, but that's how they did it. Well, now I guess I'm going according to a little bit how the letter was written, right? But it said, grace to you and peace be multiplied. And verse 3, it says this. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The word begotten means to be regenerated. Again, the born-again experience. And it talks about a living hope. It means something that not only is alive, but it causes you to be alive. One of the things I realized when I got saved, it wasn't a matter of me just, just not being saved. I became alive. Did you become alive when you, when you came to know Christ? All of a sudden, your eyes opened up, you could see things, and you desired things you didn't like before, and things that you wanted, you, they weren't so desirable anymore. That's talking about the life. The word Zoe means it's a life that is without shame and guilt. There's no darkness in it. The Bible says in Christ there is no variableness or the turning. I didn't know that. 
you didn't know it either until you're born again. He's begotten us in that. And guess what? It gets better than that. I want you to turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. He had this planned out a long time ago. You probably already know this. I'm sure you do, but it's always good to review things. Okay. Uh, Got to get here. Somewhere in the New Testament. Let me look in there. <laughs> anyway, here's what he says. Verse 3, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. This is quite a thing in itself. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, we should be holy and without blame before him in love. In verse 5, having predestinated us to the adoptions of his Son by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the God pleasure of his will. as for the praise of his glory. So he's telling them, listen, guys, I chose you out. You're my elect. And I gave you this because before the foundation of the world, I had this plan for you. And chosen means according the one who chose you with a knowledge of a future relationship. And... Uh, I know when I married my wife, I, I had no idea how things would turn out, and they weren't so good there for a while, but it ended up God knew, and he blessed us in that. And that's kind of a picture a little bit of not knowing what you're getting into. God says, I predestined it. What I hold for you is beyond your situation. It's beyond where you find yourself. And the second thing he says is that uh, he says to an uh Okay, I've got to get this. Uh, resurrection, Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away and is reserved in heaven for you. I want you to turn back to Ephesians 1.8. He gave us a promise of adoption, but also the promise of an inheritance, or I guess of what he'd do. He says, uh, I got this, 11, 111, excuse me. He says that uh, in him also we have attained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. What we receive in heaven, the true inheritance, isn't by your works. Oh, there's rewards. And I believe that will be according to what we do in the kingdom and for the kingdom. But our inheritance is Christ. Nobody's earned it. He gives that to us. What a promise. He predestined that. I'm going to give you an inheritance that cannot be taken away. I want you to think about this. These people were being persecuted. They would have been drug away from their homes and their families and their lands. And they would have, some of them lost everything. That goes on in the world today. And he says... What I've got for you, I predestined before anything. And it's here for you. I've got it for you. I'm going to hold it for you. And here's what he said. And it's one that's undefiled, does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. He says, who are kept by the power of God, verse 5, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. The word kept is a picture of a, a soldier. Someone on guard duty. It's the same thing as the shepherds that kept their sheep by night. Remember that? On the night Christ was born? That's a sure thing. 
I'm going to make you a statement. You cannot lose the things that God has given you by grace. Let me put it this way. You cannot lose by works, but what God can only give you by grace. Don't let anybody ever steal that from you. Because when they do, you fall into religion. Christ did not come to turn the world upside down. He came to right it. The world's already upside down. What he holds for us, he predestined, and it is kept until the day of a redemption forever. And so he says in verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a while. And he says, If need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold and, and, and that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8, 28. Look what we've been predestined to do. What he's going to do. You've heard this many times. Things are going well and someone will quote this to you. And it has meaning for that time. There's no question. But it has a meaning far beyond the situation we find ourselves in. He says, and we know all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, he predestined these he, he called, whom he called, these he justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. The devil can't take that away from you. He'll mess with you, and he'll try to take from you. He's like a roaring lion, he says, not saying who he can devour, but who he may devour. The battle's in our minds. Am I correct? That's why it says, not, do not be conformed to the world, but transformed by renewing your mind. We've been predestined to this. And even through the trials of life, and I always wonder, Lord, man, there's going to be a whole lot of change going on because I question how much change is going on now. Didn't the scripture says that he'll wipe away all tears? I wondered about that. When I was a legalist, I thought, well, I didn't do enough. Now I come to the place, oh, Lord, now I really see what you've been trying to communicate to me all along. We've been predestined, and it's kept for us. Great promises from the Lord. So what do we do? Here's what he says. Therefore, verse 13, he said, Therefore, gird up your loins of your mind. We're just going to hit a few verses, then I'll get to those two verses. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, where he's being revealed, but there's going to be a time that we will see him as he is and we will be known 
we will we will know them as we we are known, right? We're gonna see we're gonna boom, we're gonna see in his presence. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust is in your ignorance, but as he who has called you holy, also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy as I am holy. Being separated for Christ is quite a battle. And yet it's there every day. It's a choice. It's a choice I make. It's a choice you make. But it's one that, as I say, the battle is in your mind. You remember when Jesus was in the wilderness and 40 days and 40 nights? And then the tempter came to him and he said, If thou be the Son of God, make these stones into bread. He knew he was the son of God. He knew he was hungry. But he, put, he tried to put that doubt into his mind. It's the same thing when Christ hung on the cross. We celebrate Easter. He rose from the grave. But when the religious leaders were there on the killing fields, the time of Passover, they never would have been there. They were there to justify themselves. They wouldn't have been there. They said, if thou be the son of God, save thyself. They were messing with him. That's what the devil does. He messes with him. And the only way that we can, I guess, become ever more holy is a choice that I'm just not going to listen to this. I'm just not going to go there with it. That's all I know what to say. Because what he's predestined for us is far beyond what we truly comprehend. Yet, isn't that great? If you could understand everything he had for you, would you have a hope that would get you through the times that are beyond you? It's never going to run out, folks. And so he says this. He wants them to understand the cost. Verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish or spot. And... Uh, he was foreordained, it says, before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in his last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope are in God. Why do you think that was important to people being persecuted? Your money isn't going to save you. What we have on this earth is not going to save us because it couldn't save us in the first place. And it won't save us now. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we have to trust in the Lord. What we have received by the grace of Jesus Christ is beyond anything that any man can do. And when I think about the times, all I can do is trust in something that's far beyond me, something that's already been done, something that man can't attain to on his own. It's precious. So what do we do here? What you're doing. What you're doing. Love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. He says, because, we'll take a look at the seed of the world. All flesh is as grass, the glory of man is the flower of grass, and the grass withers. 
look at the seed of the word, but the word of God endures forever. The greatest commandment besides to love God is to love one another. It's what we're doing in these times. And that's what the enemy wants to take away from us. I'm going to get to this, and well, I'll, I'll take you to this. It talks about that as newborn babes would desire the pure milk of the word, you may grow thereby. Indeed, you tasted that the Lord is gracious. Do you realize how a lamb, how it gets imprinted in his mind, the relationship with his mother? You've got to suck the milk. That's where it comes from. It's a miraculous thing. When a lamb is born and is laying on the ground and it's covered with the afterbirth and it's covered with all the, the fluids, right, the embryonic fluids and the blood that you will begin to lick it. And it imprints in her mind, that's my lamb because she is tasting all that, right, that came out of her womb. And there's got to be a death in order to have a birth, right? That environment that an embryo is in, it has to die around it so it can be born. That's a picture of Christ. We're a sweet savor unto the Lord. Do you know that? And so as he looks on that, you looks on that fluid and the blood and eats that afterbirth, she associates that lamb with her. That's how the Father sees us, through the blood of Jesus. And so as he looks on that lamb pretty soon, it stimulates him to get up. And when he gets up, hopefully he has an instinct to go suck, but not all of them do. So what she'll do, she'll begin to nudge him. She'll begin to nuzzle him in the rear end. She'll you ever seen that old cow look at the rear end of a calf? You know why? I had to learn this through Canadian shepherds. I had a, a neighbor, third generation sheep man. He couldn't tell me this. But they do that to stimulate a suck reflex. So that lamb would go forward and take in the milk from that ewe. And as he takes it in, there's a bonding with that lamb with the ewe. Our relationship one with another is because of the word of God. Because we take in that living milk and we take it from the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives it to us. And because of that, we bond one with another. Even two lambs on the same ewe. You know what happens? I remember one time, I'm kind of getting in sheep stories. I guess I'm getting off. I'm going to tell you a sheep story. One time we had this, my brother had this wise idea. I don't know if I saved or not. We had 240 some ewes and I did all the lambing in February and a lamb doesn't live long if he doesn't get milk he's got about 20 minutes worth of brown fat in his belly it's like a new car coming off of one of those car tra trailers it can maybe get a little bit but you're not going to go to you're not going to go to Los Angeles in it right it's going to run out same way with a lamb he's got to take the milk in same way what it says here you desire the milk so you can grow thereby and so what can happen is if you got too many lambs on the ground at one time, they get confused. And pretty soon that you lose that connection to that lamb 
and they won't accept them. Praise God that Jesus won't do that with his. He knows this. My sheep hears my voice, and I know them. He says, and I give them eternal life. No one's able to pluck that out of my hand. Folks, that's eternal salvation. That's eternal security. Don't let anybody steal it from you. I'm adamant about that. He knows that we've been predestined to it. And so, anyway, my brother had this idea. He had 10 sheep. I had 240, but he was the brains. I thought he was. And I was the fool to listen. But there was a place called Accelerating Lambing. And what you did, so you could get them all lambed out in a month instead of drug out in the planting time, because I had to get ready for planting, is that you give them a shot that keeps them from coming in the heat. And then so many days down the road, you give them another shot to bring them into heat, and you turn the bucks loose. And bam. Well, guess what? You had 480-some lambs born in 30 days, and it was day and night. And she had to work. She'd get me up. I'd go to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning, get me up, said, you're not going to like this, but there's 20 lambs on the ground, and they're just all around. The point is, man tries to fool with it. I call that religion. Christ has a program for us, right? That's him. That relationship is developed when that lamb sucks that milk. And she goes from smelling that lamb to a place where she'll smell the milk coming out of him. And she knows that's her milk. The word of God coming out of us in our lives, it's a fruit we offer up to the Lord. And then it goes to a place she knows him by his sight. But what do you do when there's 480 lambs in a pen? They learn the voice. All the time she's speaking to him, uh, uh, and he'll cry. And pretty soon, she knows the voice of that lamb. He hears our voice. He knows us. That's what he holds for us. And we'll love one another because he does know us. So here's what he said. There are things in our life that block us. I know I'm jumping around, but I'm just, it's a, it's a two-day jump around sermon. This is what you get. There's things that block us from that. And I'll give you this story, and then I'll get into it. If a lamb doesn't get fed enough milk at the right time, it can get to where what's inside him blocks up. He gets bound up. We called it black tar, right? But it's called myconium. And what happens is if he can't pass that, he'll become dehydrated. He'll have a belly full of milk, but he can't make use of it. You can pour the word of God into somebody, but they're not willing to open their heart for God to take out what needs to be purged. We won't grow therein. That's the truth. Right? By the way, uh, the trick was when a lamb wouldn't suck, I used to, in my bulldog days, put him up in the corner, put the right knee on the ground, left knee in, his, in the chest, 
and force that lamb, it didn't work very well. You can't force someone into a love relationship. God doesn't force us. He woos us. So you know what I learned? Tickle him a little bit in the rear end, and pretty soon, boom, he's sucking at you. Bam, 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 bam. And once he's connected, he's going. In the church we come from, I had a sign. It's out of Galatians. I'm going to read this to you real quick. I know I'm jumping around, but that's okay. This is our job as we love one another. You see somebody in church and you know they're struggling? If I can find it here. Uh, Galatians 4. been a long time. Uh, yes, thank you very much. Who said that? Thank you, brother. I'm glad you're here. You're helping me along. Thank, thank you kindly. Said, brother, if a man's overtaken a fault in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted and bear one another burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, down the, further down, it says, let each man examine his own work, and he'll have rejoicing in himself alone, not in another. But I had that up on the wall. been a long time, because I used to be in churches that said, you're now entering your mission field when you left the church. I thought they should have turned the sign around. If judgment starts in the house of God, your ministry starts here. And if you've got a brother that's bound up with something in his life and he can't get that old black tar out of him, we're to come along that brother. And I see that here. So the milk he takes in can begin to grow him because people get stuck. And I came from a time of legalism. Well, if he would just be obedient to the Lord. and Yeah, that's true. But if I just be obedient, maybe I'd help my brother. I'd take the log out of my eye to see a speck. And sometimes you get dirty in the process. I had to tickle that lamb a little bit to get it to go. But the results were wonderful. It's called pride. Therefore, I tried to get all this down to fit the last two verses, but we're going to get to the last two verses. Therefore, laying aside all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all these speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The word malice means to... Uh, it means to... Uh, uh, like an intention to do something that's wrong. We all have that in us. And if I was persecuted like these people, I don't know what I'd do. i just tell you, my flesh, I'd want to get back at them. You think I could be a nice guy? I can be a real not-so-nice guy. My wife knows that, right? She knows that. Some of the things I've done, even as a Christian. 
I remember I was in a fight one time with a man. I mean, physical altercation as a pastor. Because he came at me. I didn't know what to do. And by the third time he came at me, I just slapped him. I should have let him slap me. He said, not only malice, but all deceit. Deceit is uh, basically uh, misrepresenting the truth. You ever do that? Ring, ring. Well, he's not here. (laughs) (laughs) We all have it. But could you imagine being in that situation, being persecuted? I can't imagine it. I know we're to desire to be mature, to we, we take in the meat, but you take in the meat so you give out the milk. You know what the best looking you of a bunch is? They were called barren ewes. You know what a barren ewe is? It had nothing to do with royalty. It has to do with a ewe that can't bear any lambs. And you can tell them once you, I used to be sheep trader. That was a a pagan sheep trader. That was probably the lowest trade you could do. And I was good at it. I made money at it. I bought and sold sheep out of the sale barn and I could flip them. Kind of like used cars. Oh, it's a just, uh. (laughs) And anyway, uh, a barren you was passed on to me. I mean, it does look good. A barren ewe is one that cannot bear lambs. And you can tell because the rear end is bubbly. She's got a look to her. She looks great. I mean, I'd like to have a whole herd like that. But you know the ewe that put it out? The milk? What's the between a milk cow and a meat cow? Milk cow is full of flesh. A milk cow, you ever seen a, uh, an old Holstein? They're all bones. Because their body's designed to give out. And sometimes the people that seem like they're the most ragged, because they've been putting out milk for other people. Hypocrisy. I want to look good. I want to look good. Envy. Envy is not following the intent of God's word, or excuse me, envy. Uh, I had this written down. Let's see. Hmm. Well, envy is just you want something that somebody else has in the situation you find yourself. That can block you up. That can keep you from seeing the blessings that God's already doing in your life. Even when things go wrong, Zach's proof of it. If anybody I'd know out of this church, it should be envious, it should be Zach. He says he never has, Pastor Rich says he never has a down day. If that's not convicting, I don't know what is. Right? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is not following the intent of God's word. 
that we know, but yet we claim it, an evil speaking. Sometimes you can get to a point where you don't know what to do, so you just talk bad about somebody. And that's pretty easy when you're being persecuted. And I'm not saying it's not wrong to speak your mind. It's not wrong to be mad. You're not to let anger, to go to bed with anger because it turns into bitterness. But there are times that through persecution, let me put it this way. You ever be oppressed by somebody and then somebody else comes by and you speak a bad word? You say something about them because that's how you relieve yourself? We all have done that. You hear what he said? We need to get it cleaned out of you. You know, we, we got a, a lamb to be cleaned out. She got the warm water. We got the old tube. And that's how we did it. And you know what? We need to be cleansed through the word of God, the living word of God, to clean us out of the intents, the things in our heart that block us so we can grow by taking in the milk of his word. And praise God we have that. I make no excuse. It's been a long time I did any much teaching, and I was trying to do something beyond me, but God just took me back to where I was. Folks, all I know is that we're to desire the milk of the word because that's where we're going to get our relationship in God. You notice he didn't say meat, and they were young Christians. But you know what? I thought about this. John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world, right? Now, that was the sacrificial lamb, but in a sense, we're all lambs. And meat is something that we can partake in this Bible ourselves and regurgitate it chew that cud but it's got to come out in milk for somebody else it's to grow us but it's to help grow somebody else and the beautiful thing is i see these young people here these little ones back here maybe there's someone who's newer in their faith i don't know about you but i need a squirter milk myself i need a drink and i used to laugh because i would see year-old lambs, the she was getting ready to, to have a, a newborn lamb, and that old lamb would remember the mom. And he'd be in the herd, too. And so he could run over there, and he'd try to get a drink of that new milk. <laughs> Robber. There are people who try to rob the milk from you, but that's okay, too. Anyway, that's your jumbled up sermon tonight. But desire the milk of God's word because ultimately we live in a world that is looking to dry us up, looking to take it away from us. Jim Jones, you remember that? Drink the Kool-Aid? They had everything but one thing there. Do you know what it was? They never had a Bible. And the Word of God is, is something that is seen to be left out of a lot of churches today. They leave it out. 
They got everything else but this. We need everything we have, but boys got to be founded on the Word of God, or we'll go astray. We'll dry up. 